If, if you will go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 13, it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pause for a moment there. Jesus is coming back. We're going to see him. But you know, it's not just that. But Jesus in this present world has been revealed into your lives. And he is actively showing that he cares and loves you. But gird up the loins of your minds and be sober and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Or literally, that is, ye shall be holy. Ye shall be holy, for I am holy. As in, he's going to make you holy. Today I would like to talk to you about impossible. Lord Jesus, speak into our lives. Oh God, you, oh God, who take the impossible and make it possible. I ask you to do a work, minister in this place as you already have, and just have the floor, Jesus. We worship you and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When I was thinking on this passage um, some time back here, some days ago, I thought about, be ye holy, for I am holy. And when I read this passage here, I often think about the work that's got to go into my lifestyle to live right. In fact, here Peter tells them to prepare yourself, or he uses that example of how a man would gather up his robes and make himself so he could be able to run and to be about his job or his business. He was prepared to be able to work. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind in preparation. He tells us to not live like we used to, but be ye holy in all manner of conversation or all of your conduct. When I think of living right, sometimes I think... That's hard. I think sometimes that's impossible. You didn't want to hear that out of me, did you? But have you ever had that person where you're like, oh, they teach and preach that I'm supposed to forgive. Not this one. No? All right. Have you ever had that I am going to explain to God moment? how they're all wrong, and I really want to tell God how he's wrong too. None of you have ever been there. Man, all right. Have, have you ever looked and you said, you know, it was great when I was in church or I was at that camp growing up, but man, I really don't want to live that lifestyle. In fact, 
I've decided I'm not going to read my Bible because I don't see any of that in the Bible. And if I don't read it, I won't see it. So therefore, I don't have to live that way. That's some great logic there, right? Much of Christendom, likes to, it seems to me, it likes to stop at believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But believing gets cut off when we really don't want to listen to everything that Jesus has to say. Because you can be saved from a lot of heartache if you listen to His commandments to forgive. You can be saved from a lot of trouble if you don't live a wild and crazy lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and wrongful type of partying. Come over, we'll eat some chips and dip and we'll play board games, all right? We'll have Pepsi and Dr. Pepper and we won't have too much because I'm cheap. I only buy a couple of bottles. And you'll be okay. But we like to say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and thou shalt be saved. And we stop there. Saved from what? And we're like, well, I'm going to go to heaven one day. Yes, yes, if you will really listen to Jesus and believe. But he wants to take you down a path and he wants to teach you and instruct you. And when you start to learn the instruction, sometimes you say, well, my spouse didn't do that. Or my parents didn't live that way. So, you know what, they were good people. And, and maybe you get some mental games going on where you wonder, well, well, will my family be in heaven? You know what, I don't want to know anymore about this gospel. Maybe we, we preach about what you watch and how you talk and where you go. And all of a sudden you say, well, that, that's things that God wants. That's part of believing on Him and trusting Him. And you think that is hard. So when you say, read the words, be ye holy, for I am holy. You're like, hold on there a second. That's an awful big task. We just sang and worshipped God and said the words out of Psalms 113 about His greatness and how He would consider us of lowly of in the dust. And now we look back at His greatness and we're like, He's saying, be ye holy, even as I am holy? How can I do that? These words are taken out of multiple locations in the Old Testament. And, and I, I, I highlighted a few of them and I'm just going to point a few out in Leviticus chapter 11 and uh, um, just some of the topic there. But... When he's talking about this in Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 45, it's referring to so much of the chapter where he says some crazy boring things here. Where Moses is talking and he says, Whatsoever parteth the hoof, he's telling them what's unclean and clean. Parteth the hoof and the cloven footed and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that shall ye eat. Then he gives a long list of what you shouldn't eat. I'm not talking about if you can go eat cow today or chicken. or We're not in the Old Testament, all right? We're not under the law. But we get to Leviticus 9 and it says, These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters, whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters and the seas and the rivers shall ye eat. And then it lists a whole bunch of stuff that you shouldn't eat. You know what I thought about when I was thinking about Peter's commandments and then I read in Leviticus? Moses took a couple sentences right there to tell the people what they could eat. And then he gave a long list of stuff that they couldn't eat. It's a whole lot easier 
if you just focus on the stuff that you should do than trying to remember all the stuff that you shouldn't do. I think that's some good preaching or teaching right there, some good pastoring. They talk about uh, people who are checking to see if it's counterfeit money. You can study all the different counterfeit bills out there, but if you just know the real thing, you don't have, when you come to something that's not right, you're like, hold on a second here. This doesn't feel right. The world is changing too quickly. When did cell phones come into existence? All my daughter's life, right? Facts, I learned a while back that we don't talk on the phone. That's like archaic. It needs to be with video. And I'm not really making fun of that. It actually caught me off guard. Because I had a phone on the wall. And I didn't get a cell phone or a flip phone until I was in my 20s. And I'm not an old man. And now we still call the phone, and it's got one thing that I can talk with, and the rest of it is search the web, pay the bills, play chess. The rest of you do that too, right, Gabe? We've got lots of chess players out here. Um, and, and we can do so much. You can create content. I think Braxton, didn't he get offered a job once because he sat in some place and he thought, I'll make a little video? And they watched it, and they're like, what is that? That's great stuff. Why? We have so much power. This is not a phone. That's just a, a trait of it. The world is changing too quickly. And, and we need to get a hold of what is right and how are we supposed to live. So when we face the new challenge, we can go, wait a second. Something's not right about that. Oh, church, if you will focus just on the things that he, he says it real simple. Love one another. Forgive. And, and, and then he talks about you know, what's the, the clean things that you're looking at? And what's your language like? And, and, and when we realize, hey, you know what? Uh, 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 I don't need to be all uncovered. It's summertime, and there's a whole lot of people that I discovered have not learned that lesson. But clothes are a great invention. Use them. And when you have that principle, they can come out with new types of outfits out there. They can come out with new styles. But you still have a principle of there's a holy lifestyle and a look. And I'm going to maintain that. And yes, I may have a different design on my shirt. Or it may have a different cut. But I'm not going to go out there and I'll just say it plainly. I'm not going to wear something that's too tight and too small. And something that's not too heavily bedazzled. I won't wear that anyways. I'm not a rock star. So, uh, man, I'm Bishop. I need to get back on track here. All right. But that struck me that if you start to list all the stuff you can't do, it will never end. But if you will simply be like Jesus, what is it that you want me to do? Oh, life gets a whole lot easier. But still be holy, for I am holy. And it struck me in a moment that this be ye holy was a reminder to me that I am not holy because of how I dress or because of what in the Old Testament I would have eaten or because of how I talk. And nobody get me wrong on this. But God has been, is the one who makes me holy. Peter says it right here. 
If ye shall call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the, from the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Oh, you know why that I get my conversation in order? Because he purchased me. Oh, Peter was saying to him, hold on a second. You know what happened here? I came up to this altar, or one much like it. And I got over here, and I said, I want you, Jesus. I've given you all my life. Whatever you want from me, I'm yours. And I didn't know what all he would tell me. But I said, I'm sorry for how I've lived. And he came down in a moment. And something came over me. And I changed all up on the inside. Hallelujah. I felt joy. I felt excitement. I began to jump. I began to dance. And some of you are like, why do these people jump and dance? Oh, you would jump too. And you would dance too. When that load peeled off my shoulder, I was like, oh God, feels so good. Oh, you know what? I don't know what all of this is, but I want to just stay right here. Oh, this is worth living for. This is something great worth having. But you can choose to walk out of the great blessing of God. And so Peter tells them, you need to keep yourself you need to be prepared. And so now when you hear those words, be ye holy, even as I am holy, he's going to make you holy. He's made you holy. He's making you holy. But you just need to stay with him. And if you choose to go and live in the way of the world, you're saying, okay, I'm okay with the spirit of this world. It's okay for me to live like the devil. Don't expect to be in the holiness of God. But what happened here with the impossible? Because it is not possible for you to make yourself holy. You couldn't ever purchase it. You couldn't do enough deeds. You couldn't work hard enough. But it's God. Even in the Old Testament, with all the instruction that went out, they offered sacrifice. But when you look in Exodus chapter 29, verse 43, he calls them all together and he says, And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Oh, hallelujah. You know what happened to me? The glory of God came down. And this tabernacle of flesh, he said, I'm going to sanctify it. I'm going to change it. What was impossible for Lucas to do? God said it's possible with me. Oh, those words of possible and impossible ring through my mind. And you see it in Matthew chapter 19, verses 24 through 26. But Jesus is talking about the rich man. And he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. The disciples were like, what is this all about? You see, back then they would, they would pick big phrases and, 
In the Mesopotamia region, they would say, it's easier for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle. And in Israel, they didn't have elephants running around, but they had camels. And they'd say, I'm taking something large and something tiny, and I'm trying to demonstrate to you this is impossible. But God says, all things are possible with God. Oh, instead of you wondering about all the can't do's and if I can do, understand that the presence of God comes into your life and it changes your mind and it changes your desires and it gets in there and suddenly you say, I don't really want to do that anymore. Those cigarettes taste bad. Uh, uh, that beer is terrible. I've heard of people, they went to God and, and, and God filled them. And some had to just go ahead and work through the situation. And others, like my dad, was in a moment. God's like, that doesn't work for you as he began to free them from things. Whether God takes you down a path and your worship to him is, is rejecting things that your body still says I'm going to go after, or he goes ahead and says, no more to that in your life and cuts it off. Either way, give glory to God. And what God has done, either by dramatic deliverance or the strength to carry on, is he's going ahead and saying, the impossible is possible. The impossible is possible. It is not only possible, but it is a great life to live for God. So as I thought on this and, I, and as I talked to God, my mind ran over and in Mark chapter 3, we see a man in the synagogue. You see, Jesus showed up to church. And I just want to highlight a few stories here. It says, and he entered again into the synagogue and there was a man which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. This is strange business here, guys. They were so caught up in their worldview and of how things ought to be that they were willing to watch a miracle and use it in a way of accusation. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, Stretch forth thy hand. A.J., I think this story demonstrates really well because you, this man had a thing that was physically impossible. Bishop, his hand would not stretch out. Yet Jesus is showing us something here. These people with hard hearts that refused to believe were in a tougher spot than a man with a hand that wouldn't stretch. In John chapter 5, we we find a man that's been 38 years at a pool. He's laying there, and Jesus comes and he says to him, he, he, he asks him, you know, would you be made whole? And the man is like, there's nobody to put me in that water. There's nobody to help me out of my problem. I'm stuck here. Oh, he desperately wanted hope. That's why he was there. Why was the man in the synagogue with his withered hand? 
Oh, if something could just change in my life. Oh, if I could somehow be different. The impossible. And Jesus, the I am that I am, walks in on the scene. Oh, Yahweh saves. God robed in flesh. And he goes ahead and he says, stretch out your hand. Hallelujah. Oh, something began to occur in that man. And he said, okay, I, I don't, your words, they struck a chord in me. And I'm going to go ahead and I can't do it. But I'm going to do what I can't do. And he began to stretch out. And the impossible became possible. Oh, we serve a great God. Give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have the man in the bed. And Jesus, when he asks him the question, will thou be made whole? And he, and he says, there's always somebody ahead of me. There's always somebody beating me to the punch. There's always somebody getting their, their, their healing or their problem worked out or their situation taken care of. And yet Jesus wasn't asking that. He was saying, do you want what I'm asking you? Do you want it? Do you want your healing? Do you want your deliverance? Has somebody just found it? Too hard to live for God. Has somebody said, you know what, I really want this, but I just can't do it. Oh, has somebody found, oh, life a little hard, family a little hard, work a little hard, addiction a little hard. Oh, your sickness has been a little too much for you. Jesus is here today, and he's not over, he's personally meeting you, and he's echoing into your mind, and he's saying to you, do you want it you can explain all the whys it won't work you can tell him how it's too hard you can give him a laundry list of all the can'ts but he's asking do you want it our God is a God of the impossible the impossible and so that man on that bed, he's told him to rise up and walk. He said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And he began to take his condition and he began to say, it's not my excuse anymore. Oh, what happened to him? Oh, as he laid there and he began to get up, hear me today. God's calling into your life. I'm going to, if we could stand to our feet. I'm going to bring this here to a close. But I started out talking about be holy even as I am holy. Why would I talk about the physical and the inner man? This lifestyle. Why? It's because at both levels I think you can understand from the physical that sometimes we say in the mental or on the inner man, I can't do it. But you're not the one who made yourself holy. And you're not the one who heals your body. And you're not the one who gave yourself the job. And you're not the one who put all this together. Paul, he writes in Romans chapter 7, Oh, of a wrestling and of a struggle. He says, I find in a law that when I do good, evil is present with me. 
For I delight of the law of God in the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which of my members. And he says, oh wretched man that I am. He's describing in his conversation the kind of wrestling we go through. He's making some characters here so you can understand. Has anybody felt like a wretched man? You know, I'm telling you, even as being filled with the Holy Ghost at some of my real low points, I've said, oh, wretched man that I am. Maybe even not such low points. I've said, who can save me? But a lot of people stop there. And they don't keep reading. Because he then says, hey, remember, we're really not wretched people. That wrestling and that struggle, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Oh, Peter, why can I live this way? Why can I gird up the loins of my mind? Because he made me holy. Because he died for me on the cross. Because he changed my heart and my inner man. Oh, why do I have freedom when you look at my life and you say, well, maybe I'm even struggling physically. Maybe everything around me is not going great. Because he made me free. And so I want to ask somebody today, you've been struggling because you've tried to do it on your own. But he's here to change your heart. He's here to remind you that he's the one that makes you holy. And so he says, be ye holy even as I am holy. Oh, can you tilt your faces towards heaven and begin to talk to him right now? Somebody needs to stretch forth their hand. Somebody has a bed that they need to pick up. Somebody has some heartache that they need to tell Jesus about. Because he wants to go ahead and take it. And you'll be holy even as he's holy. Because what he sanctifies, what he puts his glory on, oh, it starts with him. He was the sacrifice at the cross. He was the blood. And his presence makes you holy. That's what happens when he fills you with his Holy Spirit. He makes you holy. Somebody needs to come back to his holiness today. Somebody needs to step back in. You went out and you went back to the way of sin. Step back into his holiness. Oh, let's go ahead and talk to him. <laughs>